Thank y'all. Have a seat. I love that song, Hector. I mean, the, the, just, the, just the language and the verbiage of that song, man, is just like, it's so cool. Yeah, thank you for doing such a great job for us. At this time of year, I feel like oh, we all kind of have that moment somewhere in the season where we say, but that's not the true meaning of Christmas. I mean, do y'all ever have that? Or, or is it easier to point somebody else that's not doing like the, the true Christmas thing and point out, I wish they'd do the true Christmas. You ever done that? I mean, I, I know folks who spend their entire 11 and a half months waiting to get onto Facebook with something that says, keep Christ in Christmas. I mean, are y'all one of those people? Yeah, because see, I, I think the message of Christmas we have turned into, especially when we get snow like this year, it's like we have this thing. Like I remember growing up as a kid, my mom was like totally into like the whole big band kind of deal, you know? And so we would wake up in the mornings and like from the mid-October to Christmas, man, like mom would have these big LPs. And you, it, those of you that are old, remember, it, it would drop and then the turntable would spin and you put the needle over it and start of it, you'll... <laughs> You know, and then they do their thing. I, I grew up with that, right? And part of it, people always made fun of starting Christmas music that early. But my mom kind of got this sense that this wasn't about Christmas. This was simply about we are singing what we know as carols. But in her mind, we were singing worship songs. There was no difference between those two with my mom. The entire concept was to my mom was, why wouldn't everybody do this? Why wouldn't we sing this all the time? And, and then I get in the car with Jen, and she, when it comes to like Christmas music, she's like Scrooge. I mean, seriously, it's like, okay, that's enough Christmas time, you know, unless we're going to get back. And it's like, but babe, it's Christmas. I know. And that's enough of it. And so I do what I always do, which is, yes, ma'am. And you know, we just kind of move on. She's going to beat me like a yard dog for saying that. I love you, baby. No kiss back. It'll be a long afternoon at Allen House. Last week, I'm going to get off this subject and move on. So last week, we talked about how Jesus came to fulfill a promise. And we use a text found in Isaiah 9, uh, beginning of verse 6. We use the story of Isaiah the prophet some 700 years before Jesus is born, talking about all the things that he would be. We talked about how he would, he would be a wonderful counselor, how he would be a mighty God, how he would be an everlasting father, how he would be a prince of peace. And then all through the Old Testament, we find these, these little bits and pieces. It's like, like a rabbit trail. We begin to find from this time of creation all the way through the book of the Revelation, what we find in Scripture is there's Jesus and all these things. And, and he's pointed to in some way in which... We, when you heard that prophet, you'd think, I have got to follow that. Look, it's, it's in this lineage. It's happening. It's going on. But there's something that happened when Jesus first came that we just cannot wrap our human heads around. And that is when, when we know why Jesus came to fulfill a promise, that is so much easier than today's context. Was, today was about he came to redeem his people. I mean, the thought of fulfilling a promise is one thing. The ability to do something with that promise is different things. What I, what I found fascinating in studying for today is this thought that many of us followers of Jesus, we, we like the Christmas story and a lot like Ricky Bobby, we like it when he stays an infant. We, we like our Jesus in a, tr in, in a feed trough. 
We like our Jesus with a star, and we like our Jesus with, with shepherds that don't smell, but kind of smell like brute. We don't, we don't like our Jesus with swaddling clothes. We like our Jesus with cute clothes. And we're not sure, we, we, we sure don't want the stable to look like it's a pig pen. We, we want it to look like our manger scene. And we, and we want that those wise men are there that night. We, we want so many things out of Christmas. I mean, the expectation on Christmas is a little crazy, isn't it? I mean, has there been anybody in your family say, I really want, and then you fill in the blank, and you know there's no possible way that that's going to happen? Anybody? Okay, so I am the only one. So in, in, the, in the middle of Christmas, it's this whole thought that, okay, if he had come to redeem his people, why did he do it that way? Why did Jesus come the way he did? Why didn't he just come with armies, and why didn't he wipe out all the bad guys, and then all the good guys could hang out together? And then we wouldn't have this problem in the world anymore. Well, there is a big problem. Emmanuel, God with us, chose to come to this earth the way he did. He came because Emmanuel, God with us, fully God in all of his deity, wrapped up in human flesh, came to be born of this woman who had had no relations. And in that period of time, it stopped everything the way the world knew it. You see, if you go all the way back to the creation story, the process and purpose of God was continuing to get to the fulfillment of the promise, but also to the redemption of God's people. And when we get the concept of being redeemed, then we have an opportunity to truly understand the Christmas story, that it has to be more than chestnuts roasting on an open fire, although I've never done that. I just, you know, it's kind of the silliest. I, I put marshmallows on a fryer. I mean, with a little chocolate and those graham crackers. And if you use the cinnamon dusted graham crackers, it'll bless your situation, you know? Thank you. One person is listening to me in this whole room. That's right. I found the Christmas story in the book of Galatians where Paul is writing this well past the time that Jesus had come. In the book of Galatians in the New Testament in chapter 4, beginning of verse 4, if you have a Bible or you have it on one of your devices, just go ahead and open that up. If not, we'll have the verses on the screen. But the text gives us this one big clue that Jesus came at just the right time. One of the things I'm most thrilled about serving our God is this picture that he is an always just-in-time God. I mean, have you ever been in a season in your life where you were backed into a corner, there's nowhere to go, or your back was against the wall, and there's no more retreat, that you'd done everything you could, but God had to show up and do something? I mean, I have been there where I've had to say, listen, the, the only way something happens here is that God shows up and does something miraculous. I think Christmas is about the fact that God coming in itself was a miracle. God staying was a miracle. God going back to heaven to take all those who trust him with him is a miracle. And the fact that we celebrate it the way we do is somewhat miraculous. So in the book of Galatians, where there is really no Christmas story, there's the entire story. So let's look at the text beginning in verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come. Now, think about this. The fullness of time, all right, so you have to picture uh, a pregnant woman that is 10 months pregnant, and then you'll understand the fullness of time. 
We're talking about weebles wobble, don't fall down, get this baby out of me, I am tired of this pregnant. Are you with me? If any man just nodded his head, we have a problem. But this, it, the, the picture here is that Jesus came when the world most desperately needed him to come. And you say, well, Chuck, but look at 2017. This is such a messed up world. How could that world possibly have been worse? Well, I think there are a lot of ways that it was worse. I think there are a lot of ways it was better. But I think the one thing is sure that Jesus knew that to come at that time, it was the time to fulfill not just the promise, but to be able to begin redeeming his people. Now, to understand what redeeming means, before we go on with the rest of the text, it, it sounds like this. Redeeming means that I am going to go get something and I'm going to exchange something for it so that I can then have it. Especially if you think of it in something that you have lost, somebody else had, and you had to go pay for it again, you are, have just been redeeming that something. Are you with me? So like when you go to Kroger or Publix and you swap those, uh, those coupons, would you please let us that don't do that go ahead of you? But that's, on, that's another item. When you do, you're redeeming that for a certain amount that you get. You're going to redeem that. All right, are you with me? Then Jesus comes along and says, I have come to redeem my people. Listen to how Paul put it in that next sentence in the text. God sent forth his son, that's Jesus, born of woman, that's Mary, born under the law, that's the old covenant. And so watch this. What Paul has recognized is the same thing that happened to me and you, that we were born under an old covenant. We were born under a law. Now, you say, well, Chuck, I don't get that concept of law and redemption. Okay, so on the front end, Jesus is saying, I'm coming at the perfect time. And the perfect time is when this is going to be fulfilled. Not just what, what was promised, but what is about to happen. So then if you understand, it's not just in the past, it's in the present and future. Then we can understand this next text, born of woman. Why? Why did that have to happen? Watch this. Here is God in his perfection. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And now God takes his second part of the Trinity, wraps him up in humankind, places him in Mary so that, she, that Jesus, all God, could be born like all men. And so Jesus being born, all God, all man, is tempted by all the same things that you and I are. And you say, well, well, Chuck, there wasn't this back in that time, but there was that. But Chuck, you, th there wasn't that back in that time, but there was this. Jesus came at the perfect time, born into humanity, even though he is fully God. And as he came, he came to redeem his people. The way he would do that, though, is he would join this human race. And in joining the human race, being fully man, he could fully understand the temptations, the hungers, the desires, and the sinful nature of people. And yet he was the only one, being fully God, that became fully man. He was the only one that lived perfectly as a man, knowing he was fully God. Now, if you're with me, nod your head. But if that's happening, you're like, whoa. Just, all right, so if you're with me, nod your head. Okay, so you don't really want to nod your head. Okay, so let's try. If, I, if you have no idea what I just said, go like this. Okay, I can't help you anymore. All right, so 
But seriously, I want you to think, this is the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is this fact. We needed something, and at the fullness, fullness of time, the, just the right time, Paul isn't just talking about them then, he's talking about us now. He's saying, this is the time. When is the time? When I need a Messiah, when I need a Savior, when I need somebody to redeem me from bad choices, from sinful actions, and from poor attitudes. And Jesus has come at just the right time. And you say, well, when is he coming? Now, right now, to redeem his people. Right now. You say, well, where's he at? right beside you, but I don't feel him. I know because you haven't said yet, Jesus, please redeem me. You see, I can sit here with absolute certainty that I knew that I knew that I knew that I know that I asked Jesus to come redeem my life. And you say, yeah, but Chuck, you're a preacher. You got all your junk together before you came to Jesus. If you knew where I was at last night, if you knew what I did this past week, then you would know there's nothing he could do to redeem me. And yet, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, looked upon his mankind just like you and you and said, I don't really care what all they've done because they're acting like I've never redeemed them before. That's why they act that way. So why don't I do this? Why don't I touch their heart? Why don't I allow them to have this tug and this pull in their heart today to say, Jesus, please redeem me. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you, not for me. And if that's the desire of your heart, listen, Jesus is not playing hide and seek from you. He's saying, yes, I want to come redeem you. From what? what do we, why do we need to be redeemed? Go all the way back to the creation story. Adam, Eve, sin. From that day on, all of us born under law. What's the law? 600 plus rules because we're sinful people. You say, Chuck, is there still 600 rules? No, Jesus came to redeem us from that law. How did he do that? He fulfilled it and completed it for us. So you say, well, wait a minute, get, let me get this right. I got this life exam and there's no heaven, there's no abundance, there's no joy if I don't pass the test. Right, but Chuck, I don't, I don't know all the answers on, on the test. I don't, I don't even know all the questions on the test. I know. Jesus gave you a cheat sheet. And the cheat sheet said, call on me to redeem you, and I'll give you all the right answers. You don't have the right answers now. You're going to have the right answers when you ask me to come into your life and redeem you. So when I look at that and I think to myself, this text same makes so much sense. Born of woman, born under the law, born under the nature of sin. Old Covenant. That's why in the Old Testament, people would purchase and bring the animals. And what they do is they slaughter those animals and they use the blood from those animals. And that would be a sacrifice so that the priest could then kind of cleanse them of their sin. And God could look upon that. And, and, and over time, God looked at that and said, wait a minute, we're going to fix this once and for all. I mean, we're dealing with this. We're done with this. And so he takes the second part of his trinity, God the Son, sends him to Mary and says, you're going to be pregnant. And Mary's like, but I know that I know that's impossible. I haven't done that. And God says, I know. This is part of what's so cool about this. You're going to have my kid. And she says, well, well could you talk to Joseph about that? Because he's going to think this is totally uncool. <laughs> and so God does. And Joseph's like, okay, I don't really get that, but I'm going along because there's something funky happening in Bethlehem, man. And so they go. And I look at that and I think to myself, Jesus could not have come and made Christmas 
without the miraculous of the divine flowing through him. He, he came and was laid in a filthy stable, and yet he was fully God. Why? Because he knew we were born under the law. He knew 600 plus rules. We could never make it on our own. We were never going to be good enough to go to heaven. We were never going to be good enough to keep up. And we had a lot of people telling us how bad we were. I mean, this is one of the great things that Jesus came to redeem us from. Jesus came to redeem us from the power of religion. He came to redeem us from the church that says you have to do it our way. And he said, you, you just do it Jesus' way. You say, well, I got to tell you, Chuck, I, I, I think there's the right way and the wrong way to Jesus. You are so blessed that the Holy Spirit gave you that incredible insight that the rest of us had no idea about. Because scriptures say he came and he is the only way that we're redeemed. From what? Sin and selfishness. And what else? Religion and rules. And as he came, part of how he redeemed us is he said this, love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Love other people as you love yourself. And all those other rules, I came and fulfilled those. Just kind of let those hang underneath these. Do these, and I'll promise you, you're going to get Christmas. You're, you're going to keep Christ in Christmas when you do these. You're going to celebrate the goodness of God, not just presents, you're, you're not, not just lights. I mean, not just really cool oatmeal chocolate that you don't have to bake peanut butter chocolate cookies, if you get my drift. I'm trying to bulk up for the winter. It wasn't that funny, sir. <laughs> Come on, you're killing me. And then he says, and this is the part where mind equals blown. I mean, look at back at the text, so that we might receive. Now, what happens before that to redeem us under the law? Me and you, all of us, that's what we started. We all started at the same place. You said, well, not me, I had money. Well, you were still under the law. Yeah, but Chuck, we, you don't know, we were wealthy. Under, under the law. We were dirt poor under the law, but I'm one of the pretty people under the law. Well, Chuck, I'm not one of the pretty people. Okay, you're under the law because we all got to that place at the same time. When did we get there? The moment you were born. And the moment you were born was when you needed a redeemer. You needed a savior. You needed the Messiah. And, and, and Jesus came at the fullness of time for those people and for you. Because you see, when he left, he said, I'm going to give you as a gift to all those that would believe. I'm going to give you the third part of the Trinity called God the Holy Spirit. And he's going to tug at your heart so that you can do this one thing. And what is that? You can know that you have been adopted as sons and daughters. And you say, no, wait a minute, Chuck. I, I'm already a child of God, right? I mean, what? This is, what I, this is what I saw on TV on Sunday afternoon last week. That I'm already a child of God, and a gift of $3,000 guarantees it. Or if I buy that book 14 times to give it away, then I'm a child of God. And listen, in this text, it's saying, no, don't, don't be weird. Get this picture. He made it so simple for you. He said this, I've come to redeem you from selfishness, from sin, from religion, and I'm going to pay for you that you could live in peace and in freedom and in joy and in contentment. And you say, but in between those two, surely I, we all get there, don't we? No, we all don't get there. You see, adoption is not the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to heaven. Adoption is not why we're 
part of God's family. Jesus is why we're part of God's family. And when we get Jesus in the right place, the adoption happens after that. And you say, wait a minute, Chuck, but I've heard all my life. I mean, Deepak said, he promised us that we're all children of God. He doesn't have a monopoly on it either. Yeah, but Chuck, I I went to a church when I was a kid and they said, this is what you had to walk down an aisle and you had to shake the preacher's hand and you had to get baptized. Okay, let me just say this as lovingly as I can. That's what we call extra biblical. Every time we take something more than Jesus and say it takes more than Jesus, that's extra biblical. And any time we take something away saying we don't need Jesus, that's unbiblical. Where should we be? Biblical. Don't add the extra, don't get the un, get right here. And what does Jesus say? I've come in the fullness of time for you to redeem you from sin, to redeem you from selfishness, to redeem you from sin again. And then he says, I have come and when I do that, I'm going to adopt you and you and I are gonna be brothers and sisters and we're gonna be heirs of God. And you say, okay, Chuck, I want in on that. Then it sounds like this, Jesus, I need you to redeem me. I'm in need of redemption. I need help. I need you. You see, he finishes up and he says, and because you're sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. When you read Abba, Father, we're not talking about Abba and the song. We're talking a definition of who God is and that definition sounds like this, all right? Do this with me. Put this hand out like this. Go ahead. I know y'all are too cool. Just do it anyway. Hang in there. The camera's not on you. It's on me, all right? Which is really freaky. Put the other one out like this, all right? In a minute, I'm gonna say, daddy, and I want you to say it with me. Are you ready? One, two, three, daddy. That's what that means. What that means is you are my heavenly daddy. Redeem me, please. Let me be a part of your family. I want to serve you. You see, for Jesus to do this, we have to understand there was a price that he had to pay for our good. You see, God loved us so much, but he gave each of us a choice. Do we want to be redeemed or do we want to wallow in the sin? We get to pick one way or the other. Jesus took upon himself this burden to bear because he said, I know y'all can't do this. I know you're sinful. I know from, from the time Adam and Eve, everything, I know you need my help. So he came and fulfilled the law, but watch this. He didn't wipe the law out. He said, I have fixed it. So you just focus on these things. Love God, love others. Like you love yourself. He said, I fulfilled all the others. So all you got to do is this. Now we're talking. Why then do we find that so stinking hard? Because you can't do it without Jesus redeeming you. Because to do it on your own is impossible. But to do it in his power is perfectly wonderful. And I look at that and I think to myself, but, but I still check. I, I, I still want to wrap my head around it. There was a lady who served as the Surgeon General for President Clinton. And her name is Jocelyn Elders. And her son got busted with a felony amount of heroin. And... Um, and she was interviewed after, after he had been found guilty in his trial. And she was on the way out of the courthouse. And she was, she was a sitting Surgeon General. And, and when asked by the reporter, she said, what do you think about the verdict of your son and, 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 the, and the heroine? And let me quote, because I want to make sure you get this right. I don't think he broke the 
law. Now, with all due respect to any public servant, let me just stop and say it didn't matter what she thought. The law is the law. It didn't matter whether she thought her baby boy was guilty. The law said he was. You see, her opinion of the law didn't change the law. Her thoughts on whether she wanted it to touch her family or not, she had nothing to do with that. It was already there. And so this is what we have to look at and understand. Whether we agree that Jesus came to fulfill the law is a big deal. Because the law being fulfilled allowed Christ to say to you, don't you want out of that mess? I'm going to come and give you Christmas so that you can be redeemed from all of that mess and you can love God and you can love other people and you can learn how to love yourself. Why? Because I redeemed you. I pulled you up. I got you out of 600 laws. I, I, you walked away from the courthouse, paid for, over and done. No condemnation. Just come to me. So if there's anything that requires more than that, what is it? Extra biblical. If something's taken away from that, what is it? Unbiblical. Listen to why God came and gave us Christmas. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 says this wonderful picture of how we all fall short except Jesus, that Jesus alone lived a life fully measuring up to God's perfect standard. And here's what the text says. Don't misunderstand why I have come. Who's speaking here? Jesus. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus lived a life that met every recommendation, every law, every proof that he is God himself. And without him coming to give his blood and his broken body so that he then could return to heaven and sit by the right hand of the Father and welcome all those who say, I need to be redeemed. He's done all of that so we don't have to do it. In the fullness of time, at just the right time, Jesus came and said, I would love to redeem you. But Chuck, I've been so bad, he knows. But Chuck, I don't deserve that. No kidding. But Chuck, I, I, is he going to change me? I like what I do right now. Trust him. I'm not going to ask you to give anything up. You say, well, I'll tell you what, Chuck, I'm, I'm going to come to Jesus when I give up and you fill in the blank. And I would say to you, why? You, you're going to come to Jesus think you're get your junk together? Jesus came to redeem you from junk. This is the greatest thing in the world. What if you, like if you're overweight and, and your goal in the first of the year is like, I need to lose like, I don't know, 40 pounds, right? And so you walk into some weight loss joint or you do some type of gym or whatever you're gonna do. And whoever it is says, watch this. You don't have to do a thing. You can have donuts every morning. You can have double cheeseburger from five guys, bless the Lord, every lunch. And you can eat fried shrimp, french fries, and coleslaw every night, and you'll lose 40 pounds in the next three days. And they said, I promise you, I've come to do that. You know what they did? They redeemed me from fathood, baby. We are on like Donkey Kong. We are doing this. You know why? Because you see, when Jesus came and redeemed you, it was better than you could imagine. It was more than you could have hoped for, and it is everything that you want or need. Jesus came so that we could say that's all we need. We, we don't need a denomination. We don't need a priest. We don't need a preacher. We need one thing. We need Jesus. The story of a little boy that 
His grandpa had, had kind of whittled and made a, a pretty good little sailboat, toy sailboat about that big. Had real little linen sails in it, and he tied a, a rope around it, and then he kind of looped that rope around his pinky, and he set it in the water, and uh, man, he was just having a ball watching this boat do its thing, and kind of walking back and forth, and a pretty good wind had come up, and eventually that rope slipped off that pinky, and he ran along the side of the bank as far until he couldn't see that boat anymore, and then you can imagine he just the tears started rolling, and this little nine or ten-year-old boy is just like... That's the greatest gift I've ever had. It'd been like two or three weeks, and he went into town with his mom, and there was one of those, you know, the old-fashioned toy stores where all the cool stuff is still there, you know, and he saw his boat in the window. So, like, I mean, it's like, you know, snapping his mom's neck, dragging her back to the toy place, comes in the door, and the little bell, you know, when you open it, rings, and, and, and he, he says, Mr., that's my boat. And, and, and the guy said, no, it's not. I bought it. And the guy says, no, 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 no. That's my boat. I can show you. My name's on it. My grandpa, he gave me that boat. It's my boat. And you know what the to- toy owner said? Tell you what, you bring 10 bucks, you can have that boat. And he said, but it should be mine. It's my boat. So he went home and, and mom helped him count up all his change. And he had, had, he had like eight seventy-five. Mom threw in a buck and a quarter. They go back to the toy store, and he gets his boat, and he gives him the 10 bucks for it, and he walks out, and, and the mom says, are you ever going to let it go again? And he says, you know what? This, this boat I've paid for twice, but now it's my boat for good. Now watch this. When Jesus created you, when the word became flesh and he came for you, He already bought and paid for you one time because he made you. He created you. He gave you purpose and a rhyme and a reason. And he knew all that before you were were even formed in your mother's womb. And he was for you. And he already paid for you once. But then we chose to be lost in our and our sinful nature. We tended to be lost in our own selfishness. We we had a tendency to to wander. It's like that, that hymn, I'm prone to wander. And he had to come back and buy it again. And Christmas is the story of how he came back to buy us again. Because you see, the Jesus that came is the same Jesus that died. The Jesus that was born in a stable was the same Jesus that was nailed upon a cross. The gift that he had given us, we said no thanks until he gave us the greatest gift. And today, God made us. We allowed to be lost from him, and he came to redeem us. You say, well, Chuck, what, what's the purpose? That, you know what's unique about putting those sto- two stories together? I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is that our situation, unlike the boat, is we had a choice to make. We get to pick whether we choose to be redeemed or not. He, he gives us the opportunity to say, yes, I'm ch- I need you to redeem me, Lord. So let's pray. I know there's folks out here right now who are saying, you know, Chuck, I, I know I need him. I, I know he's for me. But God, I, I want to be, be adopted into your family. Jesus, I want you to redeem me and pay for me. 
The same God that made possible the opportunity for Jesus to be born here was the same God that allowed him to die and to be buried and raised again and, and redeem us. That's the story of Christmas. So today, if your desire is Jesus, that's what I want. I don't have a magic prayer. I don't have a magic aisle. I don't have a magic church. But what I have is God's promise that says, if you will call on the name of the Lord, he will redeem you. He will save you. And so today, let me tell you what I think that sounds like for many of us. Jesus, thank you that you came to redeem me. I need that. Do that in my life. And when we say these things and mean it, a God who cannot lie says, yes, come on into the family. We love you. Father, do what only you can do in the hearts of men and women, of students and folks watching online. God, come redeem us. Step into our life and control it. And Lord, take all of the sin, take all of the selfishness, take all of the season and wrap it all up into you so that you could look at us and say, I've already redeemed that one and I've written on their heart forgiven. God, I am grateful that you are king. You have already been here. You are here. You came then, you're here now, and you'll be there. Not one time did you ever forsake us. That from beginning to end, from alpha to omega, everything is about you. That this Christmas season is that you came to redeem your people. You came to pay for us, lock, stock, and barrel. You came to give us all that we have and all that we can be. So Lord, would you do what only you can do and draw hearts near to you and redeem many. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord, we pray all these things. Amen.